United Soccer Coaches is proud to bring you the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast, covering all aspects and all levels of the game we love. The United Soccer Coaches podcast is presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer announcer Dean Linky, the longtime television and podcast voice of the association. Now, here's Dean with this week's show. Another great show, a timely show, I think, again, Tony Miola, one of the all-time U.S. greats, a U.S. Soccer Hall of Famer. You can hear him on Sirius XM almost every day. He's also an analyst for the Chicago Fire, a man who played in three World Cups, won some MLS Cups. He's a... He's one of the all-time greatest, and he's a great media personality. And we'll get his take on Greg Berhalter and the U.S. Men's National Team. We'll also break down the Eastern Conference and Western Conference races in Major League Soccer. Tony Miola kicks it off. It's the second part of a four-part series that Kate Ward spearheaded. Kate Ward is the chair of the Disability Allies Advocacy Group for United Soccer Coaches, a four-part series. Kate was on last week, and Kate has booked the guests for the rest of the month. Today, it's Terry St. John, the longtime head coach for the Butler women's soccer team. She works with Top Soccer. Her team works with Top Soccer. She's got a fascinating story and ties it back to her sister who has a disability, and it is really moving. You'll like my visit with Terry St. John, the head coach of the Butler women's soccer team, and our countdown to convention ends with Paul Marco, a longtime staff coach for United Soccer Coaches. 20 years he's been at Binghamton. He's got a great presentation on counterattacking and counterpressing. Paul Marco wraps up the show, and it starts after this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap. Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? If so, you might need some help. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to learn more. Team Snap is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Kicking off this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap with one of my all-time favorites. He went to three World Cups. Who could forget the incredible mullet in 1990 when the USA went over to Italy? Of course, 94, he was the captain. The guy won titles at MLS, and now he's one of the best in the business in broadcasting. I'm talking about the great Tony Miola. Tony, welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast. My man, Dean, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. And by the way, incredible mullet is what you said. I, I don't know that the, that's ever been used, those two words together, ever. I think it has. I think it has. And I'm going to keep saying it as well. You're in style, man. I, I still have that postcard, too, from the company uh, Royce, I think, yeah, uh, actually, yeah. Yeah, in my in my soccer room. But uh, let's get things started. Let's tell everybody what you're doing media-wise, because I don't think everybody realizes they can pretty much find you almost every single night doing something Pretty cool around the game. Yeah, well, since 2012, I've been on Sirius XMFC, and I've been fortunate enough. I started with John Harks, a good friend, and, and now working with Brian Benseth, I think for the last six years now, uh, doing drive time radio on Sirius XM. And I, I, I can't believe that this has been going on since 2012, to be honest with you. it's It's been a wild ride. Um, and I'm also calling the Chicago Fire Games. So, weekends have been taken up uh, pretty much by MLS, and then come back, and in the offseason, It'll just be on the radio, get a little, a little bit of uh, relaxing time. But yeah, it's, it's been media. I, Dean, I never thought I'd be in media. 
I still have this itch to get back on the field and, and do some coaching at some point, but I work with some great people in, in both uh, at both Sirius and with the Chicago Fire, so I'm enjoying it. Uh, there was no surprise to me that you'd be in media, no surprise that you'd be a coach as well, but you were always so great with all the media, so I knew you'd be a natural. And and by the way, I don't mean to sound like a sycophant, but you sound incredible on all of those games and on your show, Tony. I mean, it's great to oh, thanks, hear bro. your voice. Yeah, I certainly appreciate that. Real quick, before we dive into the U.S. men's national team, which was my number one reason to have you on, get us caught up on where your kids are right now. Oh, boy. So the oldest one graduated from Stetson University. He's uh, working. He started his own business. Uh, my daughter's playing soccer at Palm Beach Atlantic. Uh, so she's only – we're down in Florida. We've been down here almost three years. So she's about 20 minutes. So it's great going to watch her play. And we essentially moved to Florida because my youngest, the baseball career was kind of taken off a little bit. We thought, oh, for sure he'd stay and play baseball in Florida. But that knucklehead decided to go play in the middle of the country at Oklahoma State at one of the premier facilities and premier programs in the country. So he's a freshman this year, you know, working his way like every other kid that goes into college as an athlete, trying to get himself on the field as a freshman and I always love those challenges, you know, and, and as it relates to the U.S. men's national team, we kind of talk about it all the time because nothing is given, you know, you come from places and, you know, we're seeing all these young guys come from places all around the world and they get together with another group of guys and you got to sort of uh, reprove yourself, if you will, and you've got to, it's got to be on a daily basis or else, you know, there are people around the world that are trying to do the same thing you're trying to do. So there, there's lessons. It doesn't matter if it's baseball, if it's soccer, if it's World Cup qualifying or not. Uh, there's lessons when you, you continue to grow in your career. Well, tell us in your own words, what happened against Panama? They were so good against Jamaica. We were all flying high that I got to admit, I didn't totally tune in because I'm like, ah, they've got this one because they were on fire in that second half against Jamaica. They played about as good as the U.S. has ever played for 45 minutes in the <clears> second <throat> half. So what happened against Panama and why did he make so many changes? Yeah, well, I'm not surprised about the changes. And we had Greg on our show a couple times. Some he was forced into making, right? He had to, He had two guys that couldn't travel to Panama, Zach Steffen and Anthony Robinson, Anthony Robinson, because they're playing in uh, England. But and Weston McKinney go down late in that game. I believe it's a thigh injury that he was dealing with. So he stayed. Th those three immediately flew to Columbus. Now, Zach Steffen may, may or may not have played in that game. Uh, likely not. So two of those guys were two of those substitutions were forced. He had spoken about Tyler Adams in the minutes he was playing. He and Brendan Aronson spoke about how many minutes he has played. He, he's played the most at the club level um, of the guys coming into the national team. So there was going to be a rest period. But I will say this. I don't know that the result may or may not have been different had he used another group of players. I don't know that the game would have looked every di any different. I keep saying, you go to El Salvador, you go to Honduras, you go to Panama, you go to Jamaica. Don't expect, if you're tuning in because you think those are going to be pretty games, um, you're probably better off just going to dinner um, with your favorite person, you know, because those are not going to be pretty. They're going to be slogs, and they they have been. And to think to think that those will look any different than they have over the last 25, 30 years of qualifying, I think we'd be naive because the field, the conditions are no good. Um, you, you've got to deal with the away crowds. You got to deal with referee calls. We don't have any VAR, uh, which would have made a huge difference in the Jamaica game, which then affects if guys get thrown out affects what happens in the rest of the group after that i mean there's so many different elements plus throw on top um we're we're uh, we're qualifying with such a young group and i think 
I, I work in this every day, as do you. And I, when, Dean, when I put the when I turn the TV on, I got to tell you, I forget how young they are because my expectation is probably like you that it's always going to look good because these are talented players. They're playing all over the world, and I forget that Eunice Moose is 18 years old, and when Gio Reyna plays, another 18 year old kid, um, and the list, you know, we're, we're everyone's high on Ricardo Pepe, and everybody should be. We talking about another 18 year old kid. You know, it's not like it's not like when Landon Donovan came to our national team. Landon was the only teenager in the group, and he had a bunch of veterans in that group. And you kind of mix them in, and you can protect him a little bit. And Bruce Arena was really good with that, bringing him up. Man, you're just throwing a lot of kids together, and it's not going to be pretty all the time. It's not pretty. I, I watch Mexico. Everyone thinks Mexico. If you watch those games, I mean, you pretty much. Canada, Canada whooped up on them down in Mexico, and, and Mexico was lucky to get a result out of that one. So it's CONCACAF, it's qualifying, the games aren't going to be pretty. You just got to grind. And I think more than anything, they didn't, they didn't grind through that game uh, against Panama. So because of that, are we back, are we back in freakout mode? Because I was in cruise control mode, and now I'm wondering <laughs> if we need to be back in freakout mode or not. Do we? Um, well, I'm not, because... I'm getting out of this exactly what I thought we were going to get. Keep in mind, in 2017, or might have been 16, when the World Cup qualifying, when the heck started back then, after four games, you're, you, that group only had four points. <laughs> we're in second place right now on eight points. And I know it's tight, and, and one game can change everything, but the mantra has always been, and I think the September window skewed it a little bit, you win your home games and you steal points on the road. You know, and they didn't steal points on the road. They did win that first game. I came into this um, October window saying that we need to pick up a minimum of six points. And that's still on the table. And I said, if we pick up seven points, that'll be great. Uh, but a minimum of six points because of those two home games. <clears throat> give, me, give me a grade on Greg Berhalter. What have you liked most about his development as head coach? What does he still need to work on? Um, well, I was critical of him after the Canada game because because what I saw in the first 45 minutes of Canada, yeah, I, I didn't think was going to change in the second half. Um, so what I thought and what I said after the game and what I, I said to him when we had him on the show, you know, I asked him, why no substitutions then? He thought that that group could turn it around. And, and looking at it now, he probably, if he could do it all over again, he'd say, I need to make some changes in Canada. I think learning the squad, you know, and learning – who who's going to perform now the problem is there's not a huge sample size to do that so you're the manager and you you know you said panic mode you know there there are people that are in full panic mode right now and we're in second place imagine we were someplace else um so it's really really it, it's not an easy job um he's he's he, I, I think he's doing a decent job with this group and keep in mind Everyone says, well, you know, we should call in this guy and we need to call in Josh Sargent and we need to call in this guy. And, and it's always the guy that's not in camp that we're looking that needs to be the savior. But part of that, part of the, the, the reason, Dean, we know these guys is because Greg Berhalter's given them a chance with the national team. Like he's almost introduced his own problems down the road, if you will, if that makes sense. You know, you introduce these guys to the team, they have a good run, they go play well with their club team. Um, right now it's, it's about winning games. It's not about looking pretty. It's not about it's. And I think if anything, the biggest criticism is there's no plan B. We want to play this way. 
which is fine. But on the night when you go in the field, like in Panama is not conducive to putting the ball on the deck and playing what's plan B. And I think that's probably the, the one thing that he's trying to figure out right now. Just tell me, Tony, that any plan is going to work, that it's a lock that the USA <clears throat> is going to make it to the world cup. Can you tell me that? I, I think we're going to make it to the world cup. Yeah. And I think we'll, I think we will eventually make it to the world cup um with some ease in the end right with a little bit of leeway in the end it doesn't come down to games 13 and 14 but yeah i can completely understand why people after um what happened just over a couple days over four years ago are maybe a little bit skeptical but again it's a young team dean i saw all these kids coming up through the national team program i believe in them i'm i'm bullish on this particular group i have always said that this particular group is really suited for the 2026 World Cup based on their ages, but um, there's some talent there. They'll get it done. Just for giggles, this show will air on Thursday, one day after they play Costa Rica. You're live on air prediction two days before, um, one day before they play Costa Rica and two days before this airs. I'm reading some of the quotes coming out of camp and I like what I'm hearing. Um, win or bust, you know, that's been sort of everybody's quote. I think, he, I, I think Miles Robinson said, those exact words win or bust I, I think three points uh they come out of costa rica with three points for sure and they separate themselves from costa rica in this match we'll be back with a great tony miola to switch it to major league soccer as we mentioned he is also the color analyst for the chicago fire <clears throat> tony miola on the united soccer coaches podcast presented by team snap United Soccer Coaches Advanced Diplomas have long been regarded as an excellent way to expand your coaching knowledge, advance your career, and improve your player's development. Now, with our blended format that incorporates online and in-person learning, coaches with ever-demanding schedules can earn their diploma in the most time-friendly way possible. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash advanced diplomas for more information. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. We are with one of the all-time U.S. soccer icons and former goalkeeper, Tony Miola. He is coach. Now he is an esteemed broadcaster covering the Chicago Fire, which clearly they're not going to make the playoffs. But it's an old coach of yours, both in college and with the U.S. national team that has New England rocking and rolling. How has Bruce Arena done what he has done at New England? It's pretty amazing. It, it really is amazing to see uh, what Bruce has done with this particular group. And they're on their way to breaking some records as well, point-wise, points per game. No surprise uh, from Bruce Arena. You know, that the, we, we spoke to him at the beginning, beginning of the year. Prior to the season, he thought this team was going to be good. During the season, as it got started, they started to heat up really, really quick. And his one big fear was, Hey, you know what? I've always said, and I've stuck true to it, that you need to be playing well at the end of the season. So there was a little trepidation with how the season had started for them because it started so well. And the fear from a manager standpoint is that, can we sustain this? Um, he had Carlos Hill, who was, uh, who was on, the, uh, on the IR, and he wasn't on the field, and he was doing all this. Um, Gustavo Bo took over. Uh, Tejan Buchanan took over. Guys just started playing well, and they got a, they had a belief. And I had them in the opener in Chicago, and I said to Bruce, it was a 2-2 game, and I said to Bruce, Bruce, you guys are really good. And he said, boy, I'm, I can't imagine that, you know, this team – I can't imagine you thought we played good tonight because I, I think there's so much more in this team than there has been. But I'm not surprised. He gets guys ready to play. And the, the beauty of Bruce – and I've said this all the time, if, you're, if he's got a, a, a player on his team 
that's let's say a level seven out of a 10. He constantly gets sevens and eights out of that player. And he rarely gets sixes and fives out of that player. And that's, that's what you have to, you got to be on your toes all the time when you play for Bruce. I'm not surprised. Dean. He is so far ahead of Nashville, Philadelphia, Orlando city, DC, United, New York city, Montreal, and Atlanta, the teams that probably have the best chance to get in the playoffs of those teams that I just mentioned, who are two or three clubs that you really like to maybe make it to the MLS cup. I'd be worried if you had to play Nashville in Nashville, right? They haven't lost in Nashville. I think, and I don't have it in front of me, but I believe their only loss or one of their only two losses was the first home game they played against Atlanta when they opened up um, in, in the COVID year, just before COVID. They're really difficult to play there. It's a, it's a condensed field. They squeeze you. Philly, I, I think they're a very good team and they continue to, Jim Curtin continues to do a good job. I just wonder the losses of Mark McKenzie and Brendan Aronson, how much that catches up with you in the playoffs. But in the uh, in the Eastern Conference, I, I really don't see um, anyone other than New England or Nashville getting to an MLS Cup final. Let's switch to the Western Conference. It's amazing what Coach Smetzer continues to do with Seattle. And then, of course, a guy that you played with and you were a key part of MLS Cup titles, Peter Vermees, one of the best coaches I think this country's ever produced, is right there at Sporting KC, and they certainly do it right out there. Nice to see my old team, Colorado, back in the mix along with Portland. Break down the Western Conference for me, Tony. Well, Seattle certainly knows how to win. I mean, there was a game, you mentioned Smets, and there was a game that uh, halfway through the season when he had a whole bunch of injuries where he had five guys on the field that no one watched who they were. They'd come through the U23 system, and no one, literally no one knew their names, and they ended up grinding out a result at home, and that's, you know, he talks about the culture there all the time, and he's been to some finals now, and he's done such a great job, and Remember, he's done this predominantly, predominantly throughout the season without Nico Ladero, who's, uh, who's coming back. Um, uh, Jordan Morris hasn't played a minute all season, who's coming back soon. It's, it really is amazing. You mentioned Peter Vermes in Kansas City. I mean, Peter, it's, you know, you've been around him. I, I got to sit with him uh, before the, the Kansas City-Chicago game about a month ago, and it's high energy all the time. But the surprise of the Western Conference is your old team, Colorado, and what Robin Frazier has done with that group. You know, my, my radio partner, Brian Dunsant, and I talk about this all the time. If you run down that Colorado list and you just go name for name, how many guys on that team, um, if there was really an expansion giraffe before this season, would have said, yeah, I want that guy, and I want that guy, and I'll take him. I mean, someone may have taken the Barrioses of the world, and Cole Bassett was making his name – but there's not any sexy names in that group and they just get it done. Um, the other team to look out for that's hot right now is the Portland Timbers. And Giovanni Savarese, the one thing he knows how to do is get to a final. The surprise for me is that LAFC has not been able to just turn the corner and turn the corner to get themselves above the playoff line. That's going to be an interesting one to watch. Great spending time with Tony Miola. Tony, I want to switch it to, because I know you care about the women as well. It's been tough going right now for the NWSL. And of course, the U.S. Women's National Team continues to make some noise from, from where you sit uh, and knowing that everything that has gone on this year uh, in WSL, what's your take on that topic, Tony? Yeah, I'm as disgusted as everybody else uh, with the, 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 the stories that have come out. Started with Paul Riley, who's an old teammate of mine. We won a championship together. I spent some time 
uh, literally the same week you and I spent some time in North Carolina as I was doing my license, we were following the Carolina Courage as part of our study for our senior A course. And um, just, just, I mean, I, I don't know. I have a daughter who plays. I coached in the women's game. Um, my biggest uh, mission was was to make sure that those girls felt protected all the time, that they felt empowered all the time. Maybe I felt uh, maybe I felt that a little bit more because my daughter was on the team. You know, I, I, I like to think that that's just the way I think anyway. But I, I was really I wanted to give them a voice. I wanted to give them their input into the game. Of course, I wanted to teach them soccer because I was a soccer coach, but at their age, I coached them for five years and they were becoming from, they were turning from girls to ladies, you know, and they were going through all that stuff that, that women go, and girls go through. And I was really, really cautious. So to see that, that there's a, there's in this case, two girls or three, three ladies that came out and, and had some things that had happened to them. We know there's more and that's the unfortunate part. And it's got to stop. I mean, it's, the NWSL has to do a better job from top to bottom. Lisa Baird, who was in there, by all accounts, from a business standpoint, was doing a good job bringing sponsors in. But they they have failed, Dean, at the, the number one mission um, for those women. And that's to keep them safe and give them a safe playing env environment to do the thing uh, that God gave them the ability to do. And that's to kick a soccer ball around. But we're so far past the importance of soccer uh, when it comes to the NWSL that they've got a lot of straightening out to do. Always love your takes, Tony Miola. I could talk soccer, talk about anything with you all day long. And even my mom, when I told her that I had Tony on, she said, please make sure to tell him I said hello, which is pretty cool. She loves you and John Hart's. Well, uh, please tell her as well. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Tony Miola, the all-time great. You can catch him on SiriusXM, and you can also catch him calling Chicago Fire games. <clears throat> and Tony Miola, thanks so much for being on this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Dean, thank you so much. Uh, keep up the great work. I love listening, and, and please uh, give your family a hug from us, okay? I will do it indeed. Tony Miola, great way to kick things off. When we return, we continue a four-part series spearheaded by Kate Ward, the chair of the Disabilities Allies Advocacy Group for United Soccer Coaches, a four-part series as we make October Disabilities Awareness Month much broader than just one week. We go four weeks, and we're joined today by Terry St. John, the longtime coach at Butler, who's done an incredible job with that women's soccer program. They're off to a great start again this season. She and her team, Butler University women's soccer team, actually work with top soccer and top soccer teams. It's a great story what top soccer does, a part of U.S. youth soccer, which, of course, if you go to the convention, you know that U.S. Youth Soccer and United Soccer coaches go together like peanut butter and jelly. And it is great what Terry St. John and Butler is doing with top soccer. Terry St. John, the Butler women's soccer coach, when we return. Hello, college coaches. This is Dean Linky with a special reminder. Registration is now open for the United Soccer Coaches College Services Program. Registered programs have access to a variety of benefits, including eligibility for awards and rankings, individual membership discounts, a dedicated liaison working on your behalf with organizations like the NCAA, NAIA, NJCAA, and so much more. United Soccer Coaches helps you develop your entire coaching game the way you help your student athletes grow as people. For more information or to register, please visit unitedsoccercoaches.org 
slash college. U.S. Youth Soccer, Top Soccer, the outreach program for soccer is a community-based training program for all athletes with intellectual, emotional, and or physical disabilities. The program strives to provide soccer opportunities, the opportunity of soccer, for players to develop at their own pace in a safe, fun, and supportive, inclusive environment. The Butler women's soccer team works with the top soccer program. Why is that important? Well, if you remember last week, Kate Ward, the chair of the United Soccer Coaches Disability Allies Advocacy Group, kicked off a four-part series as we dedicate October to Disability Awareness Month. Even though it's only scheduled for one week, we're giving them four weeks, and they deserve really 52 weeks. But with that, we are so pleased to welcome Butler's head coach of the women's soccer program, Terry St. John. They're 10, two and one, by the way, pay attention, United soccer coaches and all you coaches out there. They're 10, two and one with their only losses to Michigan and Georgetown, two pretty good teams. And Terry St. John's now in her 16th season as the head coach, 18th overall, the former Purdue Boilermaker player, where she also coached a little bit as well. Terry St. John, welcome to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Thanks, Dean. Thanks for having me, especially over a topic that's very close to my heart. Yeah, I'm looking forward to digging into that. But a real quick comment about your team, 10-2-1, the only losses to two really good teams. You've got a couple players in Kate, who's got nine goals and six assists. Abigail's got six goals and five assists. You're scoring goals. You're winning games. You're having a great season, Coach. We are. We are. It's a fantastic group of players. We, um, like many programs, um, we were able to have a few seniors stay for their extra year and my gosh that has made a big difference in terms of leadership and experience on the field for us. Now a lot of the time that you've been coaching you've been a co-head coach with your husband tell us how that works um, you know I, I think I could actually work with my wife tell us how that's been working out. Uh, it's been amazing I mean you know it has its 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 pros and cons but um, you know I, I really think that our, our program really benefits from it um, because we are on 24-7. I mean, when we get up in the morning, we're talking about our team. We're talking about players. When we go to bed at night, we're talking about our team. We're talking about players. And, um, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a labor of love for both of us. Um, you know, and I think in terms of um, development as, as a coach, um, having someone that you trust and love be able to be critical or um, complimentary of things that you do or say with the team um, has, has been a really great thing for me as, as a coach in terms of my development. I like that you, you use the word trust and love, because when I think about trust and love, I think about Kate Ward. What a story, what a role model. She's still still super young, but she's being a leader for the Disabilities Awareness and the Disabilities Allies Advocacy Group. Kate Ward, can you just talk about what she's meant to you? Yeah, and I, you know, unfortunately haven't been able to meet her in person yet, but um you know, anyone that I, I can share, um, you know, the love of, of working with players that, that might have um, disabilities, like, you know, it just tells me so much about a person. Um, and, you know, the, the fact that she has come so far and she is in our game, right? Like, I think that's just such a fantastic thing. And um, what a fantastic role model um, and platform that she's created for herself to really influence others and, um, you know, take this initiative forward. Well, Kate Ward picked you for this second week, which is pretty awesome. So let's talk about what your Butler women's team is doing with the top soccer program. How has top soccer impacted the culture of your program, Terry? 
I don't really even know where to begin with this, Dean, in terms of the impact on our program, because there's just been so many things. This started way back in 2009, um, really in the infancy of, of my head coaching career. And I, I had an assistant coach named Rick Huffman, and, and um, who was really into philanthropy and, and community service. And, and we were doing some things, you know, like going to, to um, you know, food pantries and just kind of these one-off things and, you know, snapping our pictures like everyone else and, you know, then going on with our lives. And, you know, and I, I really wanted something more for our program, something that would be a part of who we were and, and had more of an impact on us, but um, certainly, you know, an impact on, on the community at large. He happened upon Top Soccer um, and he was telling me a little bit about it. And I like, I'm like, all right, enough said, let's do it. Like find out how we need to go about this. And, you know, and it really resonated with me because um, I'm, I'm the youngest of five children. My, my oldest sister, Tracy, was born with spina bifida. And since the age of four um, has, has been living life in a wheelchair. And the rest of her siblings, um, we were all athletes. I mean, our life, our family revolved around athletics and, you know, the calendar in the back, the back hall was just dotted with, you know, okay, practice, game, everything. Dinners were more or less organizations of um, logistics of who, how someone was getting to swim practice or pre um, to games and everything. And, you know, not that I would be able to articulate it much earlier in my life, but, you know, she was just a bystander. She really, um, you know, at most it was kind of like, Tracy, you know, whose game do you want to go to this weekend? Who do you, who, you know, which one of your siblings do you want to support? And, you know, as, as I got older and, and just realized how much of an impact sports and soccer specifically had on me, um, you know, I really felt, um, you know, I felt empathy for the fact that my sister didn't have that. There weren't opportunities for her um, to get what I got out of, of playing sports and playing soccer. So as Rick is telling me about this program, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, where, where have I been? Like, I should have, I should have known about this earlier. And so, um, you know, right away we, we got things rolling and, um, you know, we do about, depending on our schedule, we do about five, five Sunday evenings um, with the top soccer program in the fall and then another five or six in the spring. Um, and here we are, you know, over a decade later and it's, it's rolling. That's incredible. And wow, does it really hit home with your sister, Tracy, as well? And uh, does, is she aware that you're doing this with Top Soccer? Have you told her about uh, what you're doing? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think um, even for her, I think it's kind of an emotional thing that's hard to talk about. Because I mean, I think any anytime you can acknowledge someone's struggle with something or acknowledge something that they didn't have, I think that makes you and that person hum even more human together, right? And so, you know, my sister and I have a, a very interesting but loving bond. And, um, you know, I know she, she has an appreciation for what we're doing. And we, um, in 2015, um, so about halfway through our, our top soccer journey, we actually acquired a, a team manager from our top soccer sessions. Um, and her name's Delaney Archibald. And she's, she's with us today. She's been a six year manager for us. And um, um, Delaney has cerebral palsy and she, she has her challenges, but what we've been able to, to provide for her is, is just purpose and, and within our team. And 
Tracy, my sister Tracy has really connected with her when she comes down and watches watches games. So um, that's been neat to see as well. This is awesome. We're here with Terry St. John, the head coach of the Butler women's soccer team, who I need to remind you again, 10, two and one coaches pay attention. What uh, has been your favorite moment from your top soccer program experience during your time at Butler? Oh my gosh. There's, there's so many, but I, I think, um, you know, I'm sure I could come up with moments for you, but I think just the overall impact that I've seen on our program over this decade, um, you know, I see it, I see it in different ways, right? Like I see it in goal celebrations. I see it in chemistry on the field. I um, just, you know, you, you talk a lot about um, team bonding and, and how to go about team bonding with, with your team and, and, and how important that is. Well, honestly, like top soccer is the most authentic and organic team bonding anyone can do. Um, you just see, you see people in different lights, um, you know, even for me as a, as a coach, right? Like, you know, usually you just, you see these kids for an hour and a half, you know, during your practices and your evaluation of them as people is sometimes based on that hour and a half, like in practice, right? Top soccer just opens up a whole different world of seeing human beings in different light. And um, it's, it's an, a pretty amazing thing. And, it, and again, going back to my development as a coach, um, and how I go about and communicate with, with our players has really changed from those top soccer sessions. I'll give you, um, you know, one thing that has is, is become apparent too is like players that might not be leaders on your soccer field. And this is something that, that strikes a chord with me too is some of those are, are the best leaders in our top soccer environment. So, you, you know, you just broaden the scope of what you are as a program um, you know, by doing these type of, types of things. And it just allows, um, it allows your players to find their calling and it allows your players to find their voice. You know, I, I have a player that's fighting to get on the travel roster um, right now as a senior, but you wouldn't know it. I mean, the confidence that she has on Sunday evenings when she's running, you know, 30 minutes of our hour long top soccer, um, she's an amazing person. And, you know, so what I think of first when I, you know, someone asked me about how this particular player is doing, I just think of an, how amazing of a person that she is and the connections that she is able to create during that hour of top soccer. Love that answer. I love all your answers. We're here with Terry St. John, part two of a four-part series this month, led by Kate Ward, the chair of the United Soccer Coaches Disability Allies Advocacy Group. And we're talking to Butler head coach Terry St. John now in her 16th season as the head coach at Butler. As I mentioned earlier, her 18th overall. They're having a big time season, scoring a ton of goals. And we're talking about how Butler, Butler's women's team works with the top soccer program. From where you sit with all of the intel you've gathered by working with top soccer, as you think about it, why should other universities make adaptive sports a priority in their programs? Well, first things first, I think that if you ask your players um, genuinely, are you, are you a better person because of soccer, of having soccer in your life for all the things that have come your way, the relationships, um, you know, successes on the field, successes off the field, um, and undoubtedly they will tell you absolutely yes. And then if you say, well, if there was an opportunity for you to give that environment to someone who wouldn't otherwise have it 
and be able to get those gains from playing the sport of soccer and that camaraderie, would you want to do it? And I think for as much as our college players have so much on their plate between academics, travel schedule, um, all the things that being a division one um, athlete bring, they will enthusiastically say, yes, we, we would love to be a part of that. And that was a little bit of a hump that I had to get over really early on was like, ah, oh, can I add this into their schedule? You know, a player just told me on Sunday night, this was a stress reducer in her life. This hour was like the best hour of her week. Um, so, you know, you, you have to, you have to get over that hump of like adding, adding some feeling like you're adding something to their schedule, because this is something that will have such a big impact on them that um, I can't imagine not doing it at this point. And then, you know, so again, being able to provide that to community members that wouldn't normally have that, but then also as a coach, I, again, I, I hate to reiterate this over and over, but I just see my players in such a different light and it just, I'm more compassionate. Um, I, in terms of my communication with them, I'm, I'm more patient, um, you know, and, and when I do interviews, um, you know, ahead of games or after games about certain players, the first thing that comes to my mind is more about their character than them scoring a great goal or describing how many, you know, they're, they're the goal that they scored. And I think that's a really wonderful thing is when you can get down to where you're not just thinking of, of their talent, but you're thinking of them as people um, and as really good people and seeing the good in them. So um, again, I, I advocate for anyone to start a program like this. Um, I, it, there's 10 years later, I'm still seeing the benefits um, for our program and our community. With that advocation on getting your program involved in the top soccer program, like Terry St. John has done at Butler, you might be asking the question, how do you participate? Well, it's pretty easy. Just contact your local U.S. Youth Soccer State Association office to find out more about getting involved with a local U.S. Youth Soccer top soccer program or simply contact your respective U.S. Youth Soccer top soccer committee member by going to usyouthsoccer.org backslash top soccer and all the regions will pop up right there if you do it as you've heard terry st john say you will be rewarded on multiple levels you've got the last word terry st john kind of just sum up overall why this working with top soccer has been so important to you and to your women's soccer team dean inevitably as as a as a soccer coach and and, and a program with with 20 plus 25 plus players you're, you're gonna you're gonna fall upon some some difficult moments, and I think that the more ready you can prepare your players for those difficult moments, um, the better off you're going to be as as a program and a culture. And doing things like top soccer, um, where you create these human connections just over and over, just prepares you. It prepares you for for the hard times, but. I will also share that when things are going well um, and, and whether that's winning games or um, you know, whatever else, celebrating and being with these individuals that you have such a close tie with makes it that much sweeter. Um, and we, we have top soccer as a, as a, as a reason for that. Um, so yes, I, 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 if anyone wants to reach out to me to talk about top soccer and how to get started and um, the challenges they may face, um, I, I'm happy to do so anytime.
That is awesome. Terry St. John, the head coach of the Butler women's soccer team. I want to remind all you coaches out there again, they're 10, two and one. They're the real deal. They lost to Georgetown by just one goal. That's how close they were. Start voting for Butler, by the way, in that top 25 and certainly share your appreciation with Terry for what they're doing with the top soccer program. I want to thank Kate Ward for getting Terry on again as well. Terry St. John, do me a favor. I'm going to keep making sure all the coaches know that you guys should be in the top 25. If you could do me one favor and tell my good friend, Paul Snape, that uh, Dean Linky said hello, I'd appreciate it. I absolutely will do. All right, Terry St. John. When we come back, Paul Marco is featured on this week's Countdown to Convention, the 20-year top man for the Binghamton men's soccer team on the bounce. Looking for ways to improve your training session? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for more than 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential to every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to elevate your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Time now for the Countdown to Convention, a weekly interview on the United Soccer Coaches podcast that features the United Soccer Coaches Convention, which will take place January 19th through 23rd in Kansas City. Every week during this time, our host, Dean Linky, will take a deep dive with someone or a group of people that will be featured at this year's convention. Remember to register early for the convention by going to unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. Now, here's Dean with this week's Countdown to Convention. This is Countdown to Convention portion of this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap as each and every week. And we'll do this right through the convention. We will spend time with a presenter or somebody tied to the convention. No different today as we're joined by the 20-year top man at Binghamton. And even longer, he has been a very accomplished staff coach with United Soccer Coaches, a name familiar to all of us, Paul Marco joins us now. Paul, welcome to Countdown to Convention here on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Thanks, Dean. Good morning to you. Yeah, when you hear Countdown Convention, it's always special, particularly knowing last year we couldn't get together. We will reunite in Kansas City. How's that sound? Sounds great. I'm really looking forward to it. Indeed. And you are running a session called Counter Attacking and Counter Pressing. Because it's a podcast, we have all day. So tell us what you want to accomplish in this and what you think the takeaways are going to be and everything in between. You know, I think there's a few things. The first is the transition moments in the game. They've been important for a while, but now it's it's just crazy how many teams are winning games off counterattacking and how many teams are winning balls higher up the field counter pressing and creating goal scoring chances from those moments. I think that perhaps the biggest piece to come out, I would say, you know, is the details of things and, and how detail oriented coaches have become with all the statistical information that they have. You know, I was watching the U S game the other day and you could see that a goal was probably coming. You can kind of sense that from Panama. It came off a set piece. And I think that the details, even on that corner, defending, looking at the near post space, we have a player who's just a little bit off the near post, allowing that space to be um, exploited. I think that's what we're talking about in these sessions on counterattacking and counterpressing. How can we exploit the opponent? So the moment that we win the ball, 
We'll talk in, at great length and great details. Um, we have great presenters. I think we have four lectures and four uh, field sessions for this track. So I'm really looking forward to it. Do you know some of the presenters' names? Can you share some names? We're all about dropping names on this show, Paul. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, I've got some good names to drop. Uh, so Mike Noonan from Clemson uh, is scheduled to present on counterpressing. Uh, he's done a fantastic job at Clemson, um, and it's one of his team's strengths. They don't like to share the ball with the opponent much either there, but he'll do a session on counterpressing. We have Shellis Heinemann, who will do a, a session on pressing and counterpressing. We have James Wagonshoots, who will, him and I have a, we're still finalizing how it will look, um, but the two of us will talk about the physical demands placed on counterattacking and counterpressing and ways to train those. And then we have two guys that we're still working on. Um, we should know if, uh, if they're confirmed here shortly. One is a former player of mine who's an MLS assistant, and the other one is an English FA staff coach who will come over depending on COVID. That's kind of what we're waiting on on that one. Well, the presenters look great. Yeah, they do. And it's interesting because a lot of these diplomas or certificates or whatever we're calling them as uh, Jeff Van Dusen gets this thing set up, it's not just like one presentation. It's like what you're talking about, four on-field, four lectures, and you need to attend you know, a majority of them, if not all of them, to try to get your diploma. It's an interesting way to approach this year's convention on so many levels. Yeah, I think that this allows some different perspectives, different views on certain topics, um, topics that are very relevant. In the academy staff, we're talking now about another coaching course that might sit higher than the premier, like a modern trends type course. Uh, that'll obviously the, the title of it, Modern Trends, means that it's just going to keep up with what's happening in the game. And I think that these two topics uh, fit very well in a course like that right now. But it is interesting. You know, I, I was always told if I wanted to win more games to schedule easier opponents, I got that great advice. Um, in fact, Dave Mazur, when I went from West Virginia to Binghamton, he told me, listen, all of all of your friends in the Big East are going to try to schedule you. Say no to all of us. Uh, himself included and he said because you know my my team when I the team I inherit at Binghamton they were not very good at the time and he just said get your team right before you you do anything so it was great advice I did take his advice and 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 I thank him for that the piece though if you truly want to win more games in soccer and scheduling aside you need to spend more time being ready for the next moment so being ready for the moment that you lose the ball are you ready to defend and don't give up a lot of opportunity to the opponent? And the moment that you win the ball, can you exploit the shape that perhaps the opponent was in? So we'll talk in great length on those two, two topics. So I broke into broadcasting in 1996 as the voice of the Colorado Rapids. And I've done a lot of games where we've called and talked about counterattacking. I don't recall ever using the word counter-pressing. I've used the word press and high press and low press. Can you explain counter-pressing to me and everybody listening yeah so pressing doesn't necessarily mean off the turnover a counter press is off the turnover basically that's probably the simplest way to describe it so i could press a team even off their goal kick so they have clear possession of the ball maybe i drop in a little bit and i would play in what we would call level two um, so i might drop in 40 yards away from them wait for them 
and then try to figure out where I want to try to win the ball back and then press in that certain space. Um, one of the ways that we teach that is we set up kind of uh, rectangle boxes or ovals or shapes, and I'll put a, a certain color bib in that area. And we'll say, all right, we'll bring the team in and we'll be like, look, can you try to win the ball back in the pink area? So that area is, is a way that now we try to move the opponent towards that pink area and then try to win the ball back in that area. Uh, so we're trying to make play predictable, move the opponent to one direction of the field and then win the ball back. So that might be just regular pressing. Counter pressing is we are, we are in possession of the ball and now we have lost the ball and now can we get the ball back? So on counter press days, I bring an air horn up to the training session and I give them five seconds to try to win the ball back or the air horn goes off. Then obviously the, the, the opponent has won in that regard. So now you're trying to deploy players higher up the field. You're getting players closer to each other. I started using just recently, actually, when we were playing against uh, one of our last opponents, I felt like we couldn't allow them any time or space on the ball when we lost the ball because they had two fantastic strikers. And when those guys got tired, they brought two just as good into the game. So we were going to get tired chasing balls in behind us if we weren't able to keep the ball in front of us. So moving players to deal with players, they played with more players than we had centrally in midfield. So we had to figure out how we were going to get to them. So we actually had our outside backs tucked centrally and higher up the field um, when we were in possession of the ball. And it was a way that the moment the ball turned over, we were able to try to get to some of those central midfield players who they were going to try to make the game. So that type of counter press even started with our back line, um, even though the ball might have been with our left wing player. That makes perfect sense. And I can tell you earlier this fall, I called Clemson against NC State and Clemson won convincingly on the road against NC State. And I do remember now vividly that you brought it up, Mike Noonan, anytime they did lose the ball, boy, did they pounce on NC State. Pounce like is a all great over. word. <laughs> pounce yeah. is a great word. Okay. Yeah. No, so, it, it, it happened so fast. Um, you know, when we had the tiki-taka from Barcelona, because their passes were so short, players were closer together, allowing them to be closer to the ball and have number superiority. Um, there aren't a lot of teams who can play that well in that tight of spaces like Barcelona. We, we currently don't have any Spanish guys on our team. So we're not playing similarly to Barcelona, but we do try to counter press similar to how they did when the moment the ball was lost. What's your ideal audience for this diploma? Is it all levels, youth, high school, college, pro, or is it specific levels? Yeah, I think it'll be all levels. We'll, we'll break it down to the nuts and bolts. I'm working now on the titles of them, and one of them was nuts and bolts of counterattacking and counterpressing. I don't know if we'll stay with that, but it'll be as simple and as basic as we need, and we'll get to all the details that you know the soccer junkies want and the advanced coaches who are coaching at higher levels will talk about how they do it and what the, what it looks like and give some variations off of things. You know, we'll talk about um, on the premier course, we have a session that's called counterattacking. I usually end up teaching that session and I usually start the session off by talking about a team of S's and the qualities of a counterattack. Uh, and all of the words start with an S and just some of them. I mean, obviously, Stealing the ball is something that you need to, to start a counterattack. But even before that, there's a strategy that coaches put out in counterattacking. 
Um, and then, you know, sustaining your attack because that's one of the things that you don't want to happen in a counterattack. You don't want it to stall out. So that'll be something that we talk about as well in one of the lectures, but, but I'm really looking forward to it. And, and the, the levels, um, you know, it'll be for the, the youth players because counterattacking is in all ages of the game. Um, but we'll also show the, the physical requirements in it. And I think that's something that we tend to not give too much um, thought to is how physical demanding some of the way that we play is on the players. So that'll be interesting to look at too. The name of the session as part of our countdown to convention or diploma that Paul Markle, the 20 year top man for the Binghamton Bearcats men's soccer team we're running is called counter attacking and counter pressing you heard the big names that'll be along for the ride on this as the schedule starts to get released please pay attention to that reminding all of you that you need to register earlier so you can save a little money and get ready to be reunited in kansas city paul marco i don't know if you heard me correctly but i mentioned you've been there 20 years now at binghamton what has made that place so special for you you know, whenever we close out one of our coaching courses, Shellis always talks about happiness and having the three P's, your people, your place, uh, and your purpose. And I think that uh, there, I've got all three. The people are fantastic. Um, Pat Elliott was a athletic director for the last decade or so, maybe, maybe 10, 11 years. He just recently has retired. His number one man, Dennis Kalina, has replaced him, and he's just been fantastic as well. Uh, picking up where Pat Pat left off. I think this last year has been very difficult. Um, I didn't realize, you know, we get stuck in our own worlds and minds and we just keep knocking down trees, making new trails and paths and roads. And we played in the spring. Our, our season was moved from fall to spring and it was difficult. We, we actually go on pause after our first game. Um, it was the hardest thing I've ever really dealt with, I think, in coaching in I couldn't have any contact in the middle of the season for two weeks with our team, other than maybe four or five guys who weren't quarantined. Um, and it just gave you a, a great appreciation of the role that I have working with the college guys. I thoroughly enjoy it. Um, but Binghamton has been nice. It's, it's given my family, my two daughters and my wife, um, a, a wonderful ride so far uh, as our kids are getting older. You know, I have one down here uh, in Baltimore that I got to have dinner with last night. She's at Johns Hopkins. And it's just been, besides the people, my purpose in, in life, I think, is coaching. I, I don't know what else I would do right now. Um, I thoroughly enjoy coaching education as well as coaching the players. But the place, Binghamton's a nice place. It's, um, it's home to the Speedy, and our Speedy Fest was this past weekend. You know, Tim Shum long ago you know, before, while I was still at West Virginia, he kept asking me if I'd ever want to come up to Binghamton. I grew up in Albany, so it was kind of like coming back to home. I am a New Yorker uh, at heart, so I do like it. I love pizza. It's my favorite food. Mm -hmm. I'm in pizza, a lot of pizza places in Binghamton that are very good. I'm so jealous, man. I look like I look at a pizza and I become a pizza, unfortunately, yes. or otherwise I would eat pizza every day for sure. And you, you look great, Paul. Also, it certainly works works for you. And uh, I was going to ask you about West Virginia because I know you played there and coached there a little bit, and they're doing pretty well this year. Do you still keep an eye on uh, your alma mater? Oh, of course. Yeah, if I'm not cheering for the Bearcats, of course I'm cheering for the Mountaineers in all sports. I mean, once once you experience West Virginia and the people in West Virginia, the state is unbelievable. 
I've got a lot of great friends still there. I still keep in touch with a lot of former players, guys I played with. Um, my college roommate, John Keating, who's a Belmont Abbey coach, he just called me the other day. We're going to try to get together here uh, in, in November. Um, but no, it's, it's a great place. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I met my wife there. It was a wonderful time. I still, you know, John McGrath just got inducted into the Hall of Fame. I couldn't make it down for that. We were playing on the same day. Um, but it's just a, it, it is a special place for me. It, it got to be a time where my family was starting, and that's when Cheryl and I decided to, to move back up to New York. She's a Jersey girl. She's from New Jersey, so we moved closer to home. Let's end it with this. I, I really like that wisdom of people, place, and purpose. And clearly, United Soccer Coaches has hit all three of those P's for you. In fact, I know at one time you were thinking about taking on even a bigger role with United Soccer Coaches before kind of going back to what you said, how Binghamton is home. But clearly, United Soccer Coaches, formerly NSCAA, has meant a lot to you, Paul. Can you put that into words as we wrap up our time as part of this countdown? Yeah, you know, I, I was raised through the NSCAA and United Soccer Coaches. I think I am the coach today because of this organization. And I just want to give back to the opportunities that I've been afforded and try to create moments for, for others. It's been a wonderful ride when I continue to hope uh, who knows where it ends up taking me, but it's, a, it's just wonderful. I'm very, very grateful for United Soccer Coaches. I, I lied. I, I got one more because uh, every time I think of you, I think about coming up to Binghamton. I think maybe you were there once. I'm not totally sure, but I remember even then going over to the basketball arena and enjoying that as I'm a big basketball fan as well. And then calling one of the games with Jack Huckle, who's a, a lifer as well with yeah, United Soccer Coaches. So every time I see you or Jack, I... I have a big smile remembering that. You were all about that NSCA game of the week back then, Paul. That was. It was great. That was one of those Fox games. It was wonderful. Uh, I still have the ball in my office. But, yeah, no, I think and, – and think of that. Think of how much college soccer has grown. I mean, now we're – nearly all the games are on TV. It's been wonderful. Indeed, indeed. Well, listen, good luck against UMBC. Good luck the rest of the way. Paul Marco, counterattacking and counterpressing – fascinating of course you're seeing that so much in today's game check out the field presentations check out the lectures as well counter-attacking and counter-pressing with the 20-year top man of the Binghamton Bearcats men's soccer team and a longtime United Soccer Coaches staff coach Paul Marco thank you on this week's countdown to convention and United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap thanks Dean all right Tony Miola Terry St. John and Paul Marco I want to thank all of them as well as Sean Chevrolet, Bailey Conklin, Erica Dyer, Jeff Van Dusen, Jonas Worth, all the great people at United Soccer Coaches, my producer Colin Thrash. For all of them and all of you, I'm Dean Linke. We'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. That's this week's Countdown to Convention for the 2022 United Soccer Coaches Convention, January 19th through 23rd in Kansas City. Register today at unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. Thanks for listening to the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. To learn more, visit unitedsoccercoaches.org and teamsnap.com.